Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show podcast. Love podcasts, hate nonsense. It's the Politics Joke Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Drop the fucking hammer. Give it up for PMQs. It's PMQs time. <laughs> Favourite time of the week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As, who's that fuck off at? It's me. Okay. Self-directed. Cool. Well, uh, Ava Santina, political correspondent at Politics Joe, is with us. Ava, how are you? Oh my, I've, I'm before Ed today. You are before That's Ed so today. so exciting. <laughs> Silver boy. <laughs> <laughs> Politics Joe Silver boy, Ed Campbell, how are you? Hey, bitter. Bronze, pewter, cheers. Cheers. Good to see you. Cheers. Good cheers. to see you. What cheers. a great session of PMQs we're about to digest. Should we get straight into it? Mm. Yeah. Roll the clip. Mr Speaker, all across the country, people are worried about their bills, the price of the weekly shop, and the spiralling mortgage rates. So why has the Tory party spent this last week arguing over which of them gets a peerage. Yeah. Prime Minister. Well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, my, my points on this are, are very clear. In line with a long-established convention of previous Prime Ministers having the ability to submit honours, I followed the process to the letter in convention with long-standing process. It is... It is, by the way, Mr Speaker, a long-standing convention that Prime Ministers on both sides of this House have followed in the same way that I did. Here's Starmer. Mr Speaker, the, the truth is, for all his tough talk after the event, the Prime Minister did sign off the honours list. And that means, that means, Mr Speaker, that those who threw a Downing Street party the night before the late Queen sat alone at her husband's funeral will now receive awards from the King. If he's so tough, why didn't you block it? Mr Speaker, as I said, I and the Government follow due process and convention. Prime Ministers, Prime Ministers of both parties 
have always upheld the Convention of Non-Interference on Political Honours. My predecessors may not have agreed with Labour's choices of Tom Watson or Shami Chakrabarti, but the same, but the same precedent. Mr Speaker, the same precedent stood then as it does now, and I'd expect a knight like him to understand that. I think we will have more if we carry on. It will be more outside rather than in here. Kiss Honour should be for public service, not Tory cronies. So then, Ava... Do we think? Were you expecting Keir Starmer to talk about what he spoke about today? Peerages, honours. Are you surprised? Uh, peerages and honours, bang on, because Keir Starmer tends to go for quite Westminster-centric stories, despite Labour's effort to look like they are representing the whole country. They do go for the Twitter clip. I'm sorry, they do. Mm. The ultimate Twitter clip today was Starmer saying, "Honours should be for public service, not for Tory cronies." Now, that even made it onto my timeline, just to tell you how well that cut-through went. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The most plugged-in, most online Westminster insider. No, I don't know. I I enjoy it just as much as I enjoy football. (laughs) Stop lying (laughs) about your interests. Everton home and away. Um, (laughs) I don't... I didn't... Yeah, when he said that, oh, it's Tory... It's for public service, not Tory cronies. What does he think the staff in Downing Street are doing? Yeah, and I also think that it's kind of getting a bit convoluted, right? So mm. sort of kind of denigrate I understand that the list of staff who have been, you know, nominated for a peerage, that, okay, yeah, it's questionable. That Charlotte Owen, for one, very young, it's questionable how long she actually spent as a special advisor in Downing Street. However, is it helpful to keep feeding into this narrative that we've got a big problem with the blob? We've got a big problem with the civil service and the people who work in and around Whitehall. Because what you're essentially doing is passing the buck from the people at the top who are who might act in a heinous manner. And you're accusing these like no name, no face people who work really hard of bringing down the country. Yeah, I don't have, I actually, I, well, first of all, I should say I know nothing about Charlotte Owen. I, first time I heard of her was this week when yeah. she was announced that she was getting a peerage. Um, and loads of people complaining that she's young. I don't have a, on the fa- I don't have a problem with the fact that she's young. You know, I, it really doesn't bother me. If if you're what, what what bothers you then about it? If it's not nothing particularly bothers me. It doesn't. It doesn't bother you that she gets a peerage. No, yeah. she worked. She worked in Downing Street during a fucking plague. Like, well, fa- fair enough. Hmm. Have a peerage. Enjoy it. <laughs> I think that's quite a low barrier for a peerage. Working in Downing Street. You, yeah, you, get, you, get, you get a job in there. Go on. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> no, I, are you, are you, you think it's a low barrier? I think it's running a, running the country. Charlotte Owen wasn't running the country. She was part of the apparatus of government. But so, but so were like tons of people. I think I think there's like people who got there's lower honours. I don't think I don't necessarily disagree with her getting an honour. They I get they get a good pension, don't they? So that should be enough. Like should should you no. get yeah? But then also should she get the hundred pounds a day for the rest of her life for working for a disputed amount of time in Downing Street? Do you think the Lords should not be paid for the work that they do? I don't, <laughs> I don't think she should be one. I think that's like, I think the Lords are maybe entitled to that money. It's a lot of money. And so maybe the barrier to entry should be higher than having worked in Downing Street for a disputed amount of time. What's disputed about the amount of time she worked there for? Well, the issue is, is that so she's put down certain dates that she was working mm. there. And well, there's not a lot of evidence that she was actually working there 
on those dates. Do you know how you kind of blur the lines a little bit? Because you're not quite... Like when you apply for a new job and it's like, what dates? And you're like, it's probably like July to July. And it, <laughs> well, it's that, except she worked there like February to April, you know, yeah. hypothetically. Are like, you admitting fabricating the CV that you showed me? I, how can I come? fabricate the CV when you actually did like, you knew I was working there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know why I got so irate. Because <laughs> it sounds like Jesus. you did fabricate your <laughs> yeah. CV. Yeah, my, uh, how dare you question the integrity of my CV? <laughs> yeah. I didn't it, think I gave one in. No, I, yeah. I, I think you it, just made me do a heinous project. Oh, it was so boring. What was the, if proj- you ever what wanna, was the project? If you ever want to apply to Joe, look forward to Ollie sending you a thankless task as a way of vetting whether you can work What was your project? Was did you heinous? not have to do a project? I did a project, but mine was interesting. Oh, I actually don't know what mine was. I think I wrote something. Mm. Anyway, it, it was probably dog shit because it never got published. Um, <laughs> no, look, I'll tell you. So I was actually speaking to a couple of people in and around the Charlotte Owen situation. Mm. Um, so the anger is actually coming from Nadine Dorries. She is the one allegedly who was briefing <laughs> this all out. That could be like a ticker on like the news channels for the next three days. That Nadine Dorries is angry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whatever it is, uh, she's not happy about it. Steaming. No, um, so yeah, allegedly it's her who's really upset about it. Okay. And uh, so she also apparently thinks that Charlotte Owen may have been part of the plot to not allow her peerage. And so that's where a lot of this anger comes from. But that, that just like turns like outright conspiracy. As in, why would there be... Like Nadine Doris isn't so like malignant a figure, doesn't have enough power or cultural cash to, for the entire like mechanism of the state to stop her getting into the House of Lords. I, I think that's... I kind of... I, like I, just, I want to me. disagree. Really? I want to disagree with you. Um, I think that she was integral to Boris Johnson's premiership. Mm. I think that she commanded the backbench in, in a way only that, you know, Pretty Patel did, in a way that we now look at Suella Braverman and she say was, that was, she's doing. She was his main outrider, wasn't she? Her yes. and Jacob Rees-Mogg, yeah. She would go on and defend him to absolutely no end. And I think that the problem there is, if, you, if you're going to do a really simple reading of it, Boris Johnson is now poisonous anything attached to boris johnson we don't want sticking around like a bad smell therefore we don't want her in the house of lords would be the cynical view of it he started that clip by saying um bills are soaring people are unable to afford their weekly shop their mortgage rates are increasing um but the tory party's busy arguing with itself about honors and then proceeded to spend (laughs) six questions arguing with rishi sunak about honors and I mean, we're, we're talking about it now. I yeah. mean, does it, it just, I, I, for, there's, a, there's a hint of this that for me just feels like, well, I, don't, I don't give a shit. Well, I'll add to you another reason why that point was redundant. And mm. it's because this week, though this was never confirmed, but it was thought that Starmer would put down a, le- a, a motion added on. So, you know, Boris Johnson was going to go to, the Privileges Committee would be presented to the House of Commons and they'd vote on it. Yep. Um, they were going to add a motion to ban Boris Johnson from uh, standing as an MP ever again. Now you can't argue that certain stories are Westminster bubble stories if you are part of the bubble fueling process. You know, mm. it's mm. like the house is on fire and Keir Starmer's outside going, "Who the hell did this?" And he's <laughs> holding like a torch, like you know, on fire. Uh-huh. I guess the final thing I'd say about it as well. I don't know if it's particularly clever for a knight of the realm to be like waging war on the honor system. I, I just don't. I don't. I don't get it. Yeah, but it's different when Keir Starmer has a has that attached it's to it. It's different for him because I, he was the son of a, a man who owned a tool making factory. So you need to <laughs> again opening that can of worms. I actually kind of disagree because he makes I he gives his own defence 
And if you believe in the honour system, then I think what he says is right. Honours should be for public, for service. public service. And he goes for being like working, working in a public organisation, like public prosecution, direct public prosecutions yeah. at CPS, or working in Downing Street. There's something, but where again, the government <laughs> being, the, <laughs> being the director of public prosecutions is not the, is not is not the same as working in. I didn't say they were the same. Finish yeah, them both. You're they're making both, the same <laughs> argument. They're both, they're both examples of public service. You, but there, there should be a barrier. There, you, you, I, a actually think, I actually think I'm going to go further and say that I think the uh, like the uh, the advisors, the people who aren't the face of government, deserve that kind of recognition to a degree. To that's be a member of the House of Lords, and the politicians do. Yeah. Be what? a member of the House of Lords. Yeah, what, what do you mean, House of no, Lords? No, okay. What, in the same Look. fucking building as the rest <laughs> be, of them? Be, I just, <laughs> but, they're, but they're legislators. It's not, it's not just being like, it's not just an honour. They get a point in like making laws for What the do you think she was doing in Downing Street, Ed? <laughs> I think working in the executive is pretty good experience to set you up for a little stint in the legislature. She barely went there! And then she gets to do it forever! <laughs> Why are you both okay with this? <laughs> the Lords aren't going to shag you, Ed. <laughs> no, look, but, you know... I I I have I have some weird views about the House of Lords actually, but yeah, we, fucking I mean, clearly, no, no, this is not one of them. This is not one of them. Ed. This is not one of them. Um, I don't know. I just I think I think it's I think she's I think it's fine. I think it's all right. I don't care. Yeah, let her go and sit in there. Oh, he's Lord, drunk. Lord. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is his fifth beer. Don't yeah. listen to a word that man says. You know, like when like men get older, they just start relaxing. That's you now that you're married. You've gone like, I you know what? I'm anymore. sitting back. I've got what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm now going to vote Tory. No, I think I think eat it's... brioche. <laughs> I do like brioche. To be fair, um, I think it's. <laughs> I think it's just you know, it's good to point out when Ed's wrong. Should we move on to the next bit? <laughs> Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. Keir Stum. Mr Speaker, the truth is the country is paying the price of this endless cycle of chaos and destruction. The Tory economic crash means that millions of mortgage holders will pay thousands of pounds more next year. And the blame lies squarely at the door of a government more focused on the internal wars of the Tory party than the needs of the country. Does he not think that those responsible should hang their heads in shame? Okay, so Keir Starmer again talking about the economic crash, millions of mortgage holders, thousands of pounds more, etc, etc. And then this is actually kind of interesting, the way Sunak comes back and talks about the Ed Miliband stuff. Uh, is it or is it just a quick jibe I think the mortgages stuff is really interesting mm. so at the moment the way that mortgage advisors are working it, it, it's perilous and basically the moment that they've called up their client and they've said like okay I can get you a new fixed rate by the time they go to key in the information and the application the fixed rate is gone the banks are pulling rates at to no end and that is because they physically that they literally cannot foresee into the future they cannot tell you how much money you can borrow for a certain amount yeah 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 because the economy is so i was going to say it's a rude word we never say those on this podcast what what word are you going to say we'll, we'll, bleep, we'll bleep it i was going to say cunted nice we'll say it me. was okay the economy <laughs> is so ed campbelled the, what the hell <laughs> you're getting it today yeah, you're getting it today bro um what was I going to say? Uh, what's really interesting for me about this is if you look at the economic indicators that during the Liz Truss premiership were 
um, like the death knell of her time as prime minister. So five and ten year um, guilt yields, um, which in you know in turn overheat started to overheat the economy and look like there's going to be a run on pensions. Um, more more banks and mortgage lenders pulling their products from the markets. Um, those guilt yields are approaching the same level that that, that they were at when Liz Truss was prime minister. And for whatever reason, it feels the media is less sort of um, frenzied. It feels like there's less of a state of crisis, but actually the economy is actually kind of heading in a, in a, mm. in a very similar direction. Well, can I give you a tidbit that's gonna really back up what you've just said? Please, Ava. So? <laughs> it's you and me versus Ed on this, <laughs> this fucking is, thing. Yeah. <laughs> Support <laughs> I'm gonna, me. I'm gonna come out swinging. <laughs> this is a coalition. <laughs> so two separate Tory MPs have told me the economy is far worse than it was under Liz Truss's premiership. He was like, we're now, both of them told me, he, oh, I've given it away. <laughs> Two of them. It's in a far worse state than it was under Liz Truss. And that's because we are now in a point where it's sticking and we, we it's just so, it's just not moving anywhere. But under Liz Truss, what their argument was, they needed to get rid of her and her crashing the market was actually just a fantastic vehicle to remove her as the Conservative leader, rather than them removing her because she Ed Campbell the economy. <laughs> I might walk. <laughs> no, say, okay, say something. Stop, stop, stop using my name as a synonym for cunt. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, is that because they see Sunak as a much more serious candidate than Truss? Is it just like optics at this point? If the outcome mm. is the same, then you have hoodie-wearing technocratic bro riding Genius. a peloton yeah, yeah, yeah. to like, I don't know, is it, it just, is it just an, uh, an optics thing? They think Sunak's a better chance for the next election. Well, it's also kind of, um, what one of them said to me was actually extremely contentious, which was the lack of faith basically that they have in the, the people who could vote in the leadership elections um, in that electorate. <laughs> and it all came down to racism in their opinion. So what they were saying was the sort of people that are members of the Conservative Association or the Conservative Party are the typical racist like white man, right? But if you took Rishi Sunak to the country, he'd much more likely win an election compared to Liz Truss, mm. which is interesting. Yeah, it's that argument, isn't it? Over, I mean, you know the Tory mem members better than any of us here, I would say. Um, and we, I feel like we, we may have said this before, but the members always are more extreme mm -hmm. than <clears throat> the parliamentary MPs, you know? Far more right wing mm. than, it's like they're almost at odds with each other. I think there's like, I think probably in every party. Yeah, for a, sure, it's definitely a, true in Labour. There's a sense of like the membership is at odds with the parliamentary Labour Party. Mm. And it's, I think that the MPs see themselves as the stewards of an old tradition tradition which can see themselves kind of out of step with the membership as the membership is developing. I think that might be interesting with the growing with the right going forward is if the members of the Conservative Party turn to like a more modern, newer right wing approach like we saw at the National Conservative Conference. It, part the parliamentary Conservative Party would be so out of step with that and there would be probably deselections, etc., instilling instilling perhaps a whole new national conservative movement within the conservative party. Mm. I, th I think it's far more likely that they're going to make space for a load of millennials. I, I actually do. You can listen to the interview I did yesterday with Bim Afalami, mm -hmm. but I thought everything he said actually made a lot of sense to me. There's this huge gap at the moment 
people, you know, ages between like 29 and th- uh, 40 who really want to become part of the asset class, really want to own a home, want to be able to lease a car <coughs> and they can't. And if the Conservatives start catering to that lot, I reckon they're all going to go in and start being young, young Tories. I wonder, what would be I, worse? I wonder though, is, <laughs> is, the brand, is the brand like, I think the brand might be too toxic. I think that because when you go to when you go to Conservative Party conference, it does like if so that pair, so I, that proposition would ideal to, would appeal to someone like me. It doesn't look that fun. If that makes sense. like they sh- it doesn't look. I think to be honest, becoming a member of a political party doesn't seem that fun. Like going to like weekends in cities for mm. wh- and arguing with people about wrong. <laughs> but this is this is you all over because you don't enjoy Labour conference and I, I, I just know, think you I are completely it. wrong <laughs> that was convincing I love Labour conference it's so much fun there's so many young men in suits that I love speaking to and they all look relaxed and at ease and with themselves with, this, with themselves and the Wi-Fi is always good and it's not boring at all. I got really ill at the Labour conference I just kept I think I drank too much on the first that's, night that's different from being ill yeah, I will <laughs> <laughs> love it. That's you told so me much. you were ill. I did become ill because I was still all like two, Hung three out. days later. Mm. No, mm. I was just, I think I caught, I caught a cold mm. from drinking. <laughs> Shut mm. up. <laughs> um, what was a funny, I was going to add something there. Oh yeah, about this, yeah, the millennials thing. I, I agree. I think that, I think that um, demographic is, it is incredibly up for grabs. It's not baked in. To the Labour Party's vote that those people I don't think the Labour Party can wait but, for a general election and then just be like you guys are going to vote for us because you've got nothing else but, but, then, but then I don't think the Conservative Party is mobile enough or willing to because they do that because their whole appeal to the older vote who will vote for them forever mm. is that you get everything and as a result the young get nothing and they're not going to they, <laughs> old people are going to die they've got a finite amount of time to have this built in base yeah, I, I kind of see the I see the Tory party as as much more sort of chameleonic. I think the reason it's sort of the most successful political party in Western European democracy is because it does constantly reinvent itself. Um, there is obviously a tension between their current base, the older voters, and then the younger people that we're talking about and then potentially winning the, those votes because for those people to be able to afford houses, it depreciates the value of the assets of the elderly people that own them. So yes, there is a tension there. Um, yeah, that's one thing he was quite inconsistent on yesterday, Bim, was, you know, that there is, like, he was saying we need to increase supply because that makes it better for everyone. And it's like, well, it doesn't make it better for the people who are already living there and the landlords that are, you know, cashing in on all of this. Like, surely you'd be, listen, if you just bought a half a million pound property and then they put a load of affordable housing in that depreciates the value of yours. You'd go, are you are, are you gambling me? <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Look, I would piss off the unnamed member of the Joe team who's first become NIMBY <laughs> in his home, his home ownership day. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Shut the fridge. It's the Politics Show podcast. Welcome to the leader of the SNP, Stephen Flynn. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I would just like to echo the sentiments of the Prime Minister and indeed the Leader of the Opposition in relation to the terrible incident in Nottingham and indeed our thoughts are with all of those still reeling from the tragedy at Grenfell all these years later. Mr Speaker, during his ill-fated leadership bid late last summer, the Prime Minister warned of the perils of mortgage rate rises. Indeed, he stated, and I quote, it's going to tip millions of people into misery and it's going to mean we have absolutely no chance of winning the next election. <laughs> Given that mortgage rates continue to rise, does he still agree with his own electoral analysis? <laughs> Stephen Flynn. Oh, Stephen Flynn. I'm a Flinner. Flinner. I'm a Flinner. <laughs> I like Stephen Flynn. I mean, to say nothing of the dumpster fire that is the political party, which he is a part of, <laughs> um, regardless, I like Stephen Flynn. I think he's good. Mm. I think he's casual. I like his manner. I like the stuff he talks about. Adrian Charles asked me the other day if he was still nice because he hasn't seen him since he had hair. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I couldn't imagine him with hair either. I think he did hair when he first became an MP. It doesn't look right. Did he actually? Yeah. Oh, my phone's on charge. Shall I look? Yeah, I'll please it. pull that shit up. Because I like his big bald head. Oh no, yeah. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't be leader with hair. He's quite attractive, mm-hmm. isn't he? Without hair. He's made a good decision there. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. Well done, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, should we talk about what you said? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we should. Um, I mean, what do what do we think? He uh, he kind of he kind of did the same thing, right? Uh, rising mortgage rates spoke about that and then went for Brexit. I love the Scotland's been shafted by Brexit. You did like that. You actually shouted that across the office three times because I couldn't hear you. Mm. And you kept repeating it. I liked it. Brexit misery, Ava. <laughs> Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I mean, there was, um, it's, it's like the, it's the big lie of the, of the two main political parties, isn't it? That we're going to make Brexit work or whatever the fuck Rishi Sunak's version of that is. You know, the economy's tanking. Where, where, where could we find a, an estimated 4% of GDP growth in the single market. Uh, what, if you really wanted to, to uh, solve the small boats crisis, we had an agreement with the EU that allowed us to return them to France. Uh, like, and I'm not saying that that's something that we should do, but I'm, I'm saying if that's a priority of your government, and that's, that's one way you could fix it. Yeah. Sudden huge spike in exports, maybe. Aberdeen oil, Scottish whiskey. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing's fucked. Well, don't, we don't need to bring the mood down. Sorry. People come here for a bit yeah, of reprieve, should, Ollie. You two talk among yourselves. We're going to sit here lonely and drink a pint for a bit. We're going to have a moment of silence and reflection on Brexit chaos. It's the Politics Show podcast. Philip Davis. One of the socialist landmines the Prime Minister has inherited from the uh, former member for Uxbridge and South Ryslip uh, I'm sure the Prime Minister remembers him. He's the one who said that we should be more conservative. If only he'd had a, a majority of 80 and been Prime Minister, he might have been able to do something about it. Uh, but if, um, 
One of the one of the landmines he, he left behind was the idiotic triumph for the nanny state of banning buy one get one free and other special offers on products that the Department of Health thought was unhealthy. Now at the best of times that is an idiotic triumph for the nanny state but during a cost of living crisis it is utterly bonkers. So can I ask the Prime Minister if he will intervene pursue a more conservative agenda as the former member for Uxbridge would want him to do and scrap this ridiculous policy. Yeah. Ed, tell me, tell me what the hell that was all about. So Philip Davis has a wee dig at ex-Prime Minister Boris Johnson um, when he talks about... Uh, so he makes, makes the point, he said we should have been more conservative if only he'd had a majority of 80 and been Prime Minister. He could have done something about it. Which is quite a funny... Um, but he, he begins that with like a dig at Boris Johnson, but then he asks, <laughs> it's quite like a classic, like, it's like a Tory, like, bingo card of points. He talks about the nanny state, he talks about being more conservative, he talks mm. about, like, the plague of the man nanny state a couple of times. And then he said, then he asks Prime Minister, because he's talking about the, um, the end to buy one, get one free meals as, like, a challenge to tackle ob obesity. And he, right. and he asks Sunak to oppose it because of the fury of the pathetic nanny state or something like well, that. Well, he can't because Gary Sandbrook wouldn't want that. <laughs> <laughs> he does eat big dinners. He does. Um, Allegedly. But, but, then, but, then he, but then he said, but then he asked Sunak, can I ask the Prime Minister if you will intervene in the spirit of conservatism like Boris Johnson is asking for? So he's like playing both sides of like slagging off Boris Johnson but then, but then using his messaging to get back on. It's an interesting approach mm. from... It's quite exhausting, really, isn't it? Because, you, like, earlier, one of the MPs asked about his hospital, the St. Helier Hospital in Sutton, uh, if it's going to get funding. And I, I was quite like, what? Are you actually asking about something important? Is <laughs> this local wait, issues? No, yeah. We're, wait. <laughs> Democratic representation? Uh, yeah, we're here for the shit banter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I, I get that. Every time I watch these sessions, I just think it's... it's uh, I've, I've, I'm struggling to find ways to describe how boring and uninteresting and terrible Keir Starmer and Rishi, Rishi Sunak's exchanges are. They, are, they, are, they have the, chari the charisma of this table. It is, it, 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 is, it is appalling. It's like watching two pieces of wood like slowly come into contact with each other. Like they're not, it's not even hard. No. It's, not even, it's not even like immovable object meets unstoppable force. It's, it's like... I don't know, when like two things in the back of a car, you go around a corner and they kind of like roll into each oh, other. Oh, that's really good. There we go, I got it in the end. Fucking got there. Like a really slow slide. Yeah, like like exactly. the Sainsbury's plastic bag. Just yeah. like. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a bottle of wine tips over out of one of them. Like that's, 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 too, that's, that's, that's what happens. That's sexy, isn't it? It's a bit different. Kettles. What was it Rishi Sunak doesn't drink, but he drink, he throws kettles or something? <laughs> I haven't heard that what? one. Cut that he bit He throws out. kettles? Okay. Like kettle bell. Not over a pub. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about Philip Davis? Um, no. Okay. No, actually, I don't know. But maybe you'd like to. And if so, email ollie.co.uk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't actually get any emails uh, from the last episode. Not And definitely not containing any of the stuff that you encouraged people to send me uh, in the last episode. What did I encourage? Dick pics. God, I'm, I'm on fire lately. <laughs> yeah, you are. Smashed them out of the park. You're, you're trying to ruin me in all his life. So you're just getting people to send them. Come here, I think... Crimes by sending all the unsolicited dick pics. Why don't we and do? Look, if you feel like that, why don't I show you some of the dick pics in my my inbox <laughs> while we're on here, and then you should we do that? Yeah, it'd be really funny. A live reaction. I think not great audio, admittedly. Okay, we can describe them. I suddenly have anxiety. <laughs> There's so many. Hang on. If you are interested in 
weird dicks watch my video about the world naked bike ride good very good yeah ed was at the world naked bike ride at the weekend um ed what did you see while you were there lots of weird dicks (laughs) (laughs) any normal dicks uh some it was about um so it was like a protest about so ostensibly about (laughs) safe cycling uh protest against car culture essentially just thousands of people cycle through cities around the world completely naked and on what it's what it says it is it's a protest against car culture or environmentalism about body positivity but you get the impression some guys are just there to fuck it's just <laughs> like some some people just but, it's, but they're in public yeah they're not fucking like well i personally didn't see anyone shagging in public but if you if you looked up the hashtag on twitter there were people getting hand jobs on bikes and I, I don't. They have not That's been. So funny. They have not been uh, verified on BBC Verify. So <laughs> so we can't tell. So we, who could possibly say they've not been geolocated <laughs> by BBC News? So who could possibly say? Very good. Oh, here we go. I've got some now. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> there's, a, there's a montage. What? It's like, <laughs> wait, I haven't actually clicked view photo on this one yet, so should we give it a go together? Oh, there it is. We've seen oh, it. Oh, <laughs> no. Nice. What do they hope to achieve? Um, I don't know. It's really not a very nice penis. <laughs> <laughs> Silence is very good for a podcast. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> if the lighting was better, would it make it less offensive? The angle's very funny as well. I thought that he did quite well in the first one, really. But then you did... Also, he's sending like a semi. Yeah, that's why I was, I was going <laughs> like, to say that. Bros, <laughs> post your dubs, not your L's. Yeah. <laughs> Break up and get out. Don't waste my time. You really Ramp have to up. thumb that one in. <laughs> I don't know if we can publish this. I don't know. I don't know. If we, I don't know. I think this has gone too far. <laughs> I think it's gone too far. I don't know what I created. By, by, what is this? This is a monster. You can't put this on YouTube. Not another one. It's the Politics Show podcast. Ava, the other week on one of these episodes of the podcast, you and I had a conversation about something that happened to you in one of the bars on the parliamentary estate. And uh, there was a very... Public reaction to what you said. Some of it, well, some of it was public, some of it was private. Um, talking about the general culture in Westminster, uh, how particularly, well, all, all people, but particularly young women, whether they feel safe on the parliamentary estate. Um, would you talk a little bit about sort of what's happened since you spoke about that on the podcast? A lot of women have reached out to me and been speaking about similar experiences and some experiences which are a lot worse. And the range of what I've been told about goes from touching all the way up to rape. Um, and one of, the case, one of them that we're still looking, well, I'm still looking at or looking into more, I mean, one girl who's even reported it to the police and the party just aren't taking it seriously at all. I'll leave it really loose because yeah. we'll keep it like, But I think um, the common thread throughout all of them, every woman that I've spoken to has been that they also, I know it does happen to men as well. It's just that men haven't reached out to me. Yeah, yeah. But the women I've spoken to, the common thread is that they're frightened about going public with it. 
because if the, and what I mean by going public is speaking to you know the whip speaking to the speaker of the house speaking to anyone in parliament because it could eventually make the papers in a way that is very detrimental to the accuser's career so it won't be in their opinions the person who's done it who'll get in trouble it'll be them how, how does that i'm interested in how that works because they have the right to anonymity surely but not really in that place okay. because if you think about any of the other scandals that have come out Normally, we do know who it is for weeks, months before a paper has got the right, you know, the right evidence to actually put it out and go mm -hmm. public with it. Mm -hmm. Especially if there's a police um, investigation involved, you really can't publish anything. But everyone inside that building knows. And then it just means that, like, say you work for one MP, the next MP won't hire you because they'll go, oh, no, she said X about my friend, her old employer. I don't want any trouble. I don't want any issues. So I'd rather go for someone who hasn't had that happen to them. Why, if you don't, don't mind me asking, speaking about those emotions and how those women have felt about coming forward and speaking publicly, uh, what was different in that for you? Why did you feel comfortable? Why were you able to speak up? Well, I'm not employed by Parliament, am I? Yeah. And I don't work there every day. Mm. If I didn't want to be there one day I would just come to this office mm. hell um, <laughs> no but you know so I don't have that kind of like that same pull and also you know it's parliament's such an odd place because when you get the pass to go into parliament you're kind of like I'm in I'm in this club and then losing that pass would mean that you lose access to it you lose access to like all of your old colleagues your friends life goes on without you and you get really worried about losing it I can imagine mm. There was something else I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. You only have to go through the comments that were on the post that we did about the last time that I spoke about it to see just swathes of people calling me a liar, calling me God knows what names, so many names. Mm. I don't care. Like, I mean, let's be honest. I've heard it all before. I say it to myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself. Yeah. But... If you are someone who doesn't have like, not that I have a profile, but if you don't have yeah, like a yeah. quote unquote profile and you're not used to receiving those sort of messages all the time, yeah. why would you put yourself in the harm's way of doing it? And so I genuinely think it's not until, it's gonna sound ridiculous and almost like quite pipe dreamy, but until pu the public takes a stance, which is we are going to believe the victim rather than the accuser and not chastise the victim, no one is gonna come forward. Mm -hmm. Is there something that could be done at an institutional level, as in, it, the way you talk, you, you both talked about this on our um, on the previous time that you discussed this, that it just seems absurd that this is a place of work and that it's endemic to the culture. Is there any is there any solutions? What what, what can be done to get rid of this pretty horrific culture? I think if you're going to be really extreme with it, I think there's a really big problem with the bars. I think that they are, I think they're really bad. But I mean, like, it, it contributes to the sort of like, I mean, you wouldn't have lobby journalists if you didn't have the bars because you get all of your stories by going to them and gossiping. But if you, if you could eliminate that gossip culture, then firstly, people would be able to report sexual misconduct because it wouldn't be spoken about in the bar. And secondly, and this is horrendous, but you wouldn't have the opportunity to commit as many acts yeah. if there weren't so many social areas in the building does that make sense yeah, yeah I'd, I'm, 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 I'd be 
less keen to sort of label them as social. I think it's I think it's alcohol. No, I think it's You see, I was reticent to say it was alcohol. Right, why? Because I don't like the idea that you kind of get a free pass. If you I know oh, that's no. not you'd <clears throat> never imply that and I know that. But um I don't like the idea that and it's used all the time. I mean, look at oh god, Neil, what's his name? Who um racially abused the lobby journalist. Coyle. Oh yes, okay. So look at Neil Coyle who racially abused one of the journalists. He went on an alcohol training course and he was allowed to, he had the whip restored and he mm. was allowed to continue operating as an MP. Mm. Managed to blame the alcohol. But it's not necessarily even like... Well, it's not a defence in court. No, but for some reason it's a defence here. Mm. That's, that's what I think is, is quite, when you mentioned reporting it to the speaker and they, like, or the whip or whatever and them failing to take action. It's the fact that they're having to take action at all beyond... I don't know, I, th- I think in any other company or setup or organisation, it would not be a question of... There wouldn't be a question of it. It's, it's, it's like the, it, there's too much power within, a, within this... It's like too much of a construct. There's too much power within this construct that has no real... It's, it doesn't really exist outside of that building. It's like a, too much of a concentration of power. But almost. it's also because the way that you're employed is if say if ollie was the member of parliament and i was his staffer and you were his office manager you're our boss our manager our hr directive Mm. everything Mm. you know so it would be like if you worked at a normal company and then you had to go to outsourced hr to report Mm -hmm. something that's what it's like yeah it's almost like being at a startup or whatever where there's staff yeah and i draw you to point you towards what happened with charlie elphick and natalie elphick the former and now current MP for Dover, Mm. Charlie Elphick was accused of assaulting or harassing his staffer. The head of HR who you'd reported to was his wife. Yes, nuts. I mean, how on earth was that ever going to get, you know, heard? Well, yeah, rotten to the core. And I expect um, we'll be hearing more from you on this story as the weeks and months go by. Ava Santina. Harassment correspondent. Harassment correspondent of Politics Joe. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Ed Campbell, the golden boy of Politics Joe. Promoted, you have been. Over the course, you did such a good performance over thank that you. half hour record. Even though I disagreed with you fundamentally. About I loved the it. I loved it. We should do it more often. Um, <laughs> thanks very much for watching. See you on the next one. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.